This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Nightlight has partnered with Fan Roll Dice by Metallic Dice Games to offer an exclusive discount on one of their gorgeous dice sets that we've fallen in love with because of their satisfying weight and, let's just be honest, sparklies not to mention their impeccably constructed dice accessories. In one word, velvet. Visit fanrolldice.com, that's F-A-N-R-O-L-L-D-I-C-E dot com, and use our discount code NIGHTLIGHT for 10% off any new additions to your dice hoard. A portion of your purchase will come back to us and help support our shows. So go to fanrolldice.com with the discount code NIGHTLIGHT to get 10% off of any additions to your dice hoard. Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written by Black writers from all over the world. And today we are here with Tracy Cross, author of Redbox. How are you today, Tracy? I'm good. It's so warm in D.C. I'm so thankful for today. (laughs) Yay. You know, most listeners know that I'm in Austin, Texas, and it's warm here. (laughs) And I'm really glad for it to be warm You know, we were talking before we started recording about um, the ice storm that we had here, and I've never been more thankful for warm weather in March than I am now. Usually I'm kind of like, no, I don't want summer to come because summer's so brutal here. But like, I'm like, yes, summer, I need summer. (laughs) After that ice storm, I'm just, I'm done with cold forever. Don't want it anymore. It's 75 here. And oh, that's nice. Well, I'm from Ohio. So for me, 75 was like our summers. So I went right. for a walk yesterday and I'm like sweating and dying because my <laughs> body is not built for this. It's too hot. It is too hot. That was, um, we saw President Biden the other day too. So that was also yeah. horrible, but it was just, it's so hot. It was too hot. Well, definitely I don't come to Austin during the summer. <laughs> I know. It's like a prerequisite. It's going to be worse. <laughs> Right. It's way worse. We count the number of 100 degree days we have in a row here. That's how hot it gets. Yeah, the Friday egg on the car, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People do that. They bake cookies. What? Yeah. We bake cookies on our dash. Like what? <laughs> cookies <laughs> on the dash. It'll, yeah. You can le- you can legit bake cookies in the dash of your clothes car during the summer here. So yeah. I, I would not survive. I mean, it takes a while. Don't get me wrong. It's not as quick as it would be in the oven, but yeah, you can totally do it. This is for sure. This world. (laughs) This world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really scared for this summer here, actually, you know, because we got such a cold winter that I just feel like summer is going to be extra hot and extra brutal. And I'm just. I'm not ready for it. I'm just going to remind myself at least there's not an ice storm (laughs) and we have electricity and water and the electricity can keep us cool inside and we'll be all right. So we have creature comforts. Yeah. Well, you've got to be careful with that power grid though, because it may overheat, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, they, they do blackouts here during the summer. I think it's like if it gets too hot. 
feel like the heat in the winter are going to get progressively worse because of global warming, but that's like for yeah. another day. I've been screaming from the rooftops since I was in high school that we've got to save the earth. And now every other day, my dad calls me up and he's like, well, you know, I heard such and such happened in such and such part of the world. <laughs> I remember when my baby was screaming from the rooftops about. Oh. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, she knew, she knew. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> now do something. <laughs> you, you've got it now. Right. Do Be sustainable right. exactly. so that my children have a future planet to live on they can't afford to go yeah 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 for sure so can you tell us a little bit about why you wrote red box how you came up with the idea for it red box was a fun one so there's a movie called xx and it's on um netflix and it was all female directors and i was so excited because it's like oh yay you know i get to support women and and I watched it and there was um, a woman that redid the story, The Box by Jack Ketchum. And mm -hmm. I was, I read the story by Jack Ketchum and then I watched it and I was like, it was okay. It, it could have been a little scarier. So I said, well, let me just see what I can do. So I remember I was like in a cyberpunk kind of state of mind and um, yeah. I was just, trust me, there was so much more cyberpunk in there, that, but I gave it to like my editor and she just was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, come <laughs> on. I did like motorcycles and like ice cold, like ice white dreads and stuff. And, but oh, said, so cool. yeah, I said, let me, let's just work with this. So we worked with it. The beginning is the hardest part because it's like the old man on the bus, but I, I would say it that took me like almost a summer to write. I want to say not last summer, but maybe the summer before last, because I was yeah. just, like I said, I was a cyberpunk and everything else. Yeah. Well, it's a very cool story. It's a definitely cyberpunk. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for anything like epidemic, pandemic, sickness related, even with, you know, the pandemic that we're actually in in real life. Like I still really enjoy those kind of stories because in my heart of hearts, I'm a medical nerd. Um, I was gonna go to UT and major in microbiology and uh, my dad got sick and so I ended up dropping out. Um, so like viruses and bacteria, any sort of infectious agents are kind of my jam and I'm kind of an amateur epidemiologist, I suppose. So um, reading any story that's like that, just like, I, I love it. And I love it when it's done well. You know mm -hmm. what about like dystopian stuff like that? oh i love dystopian fiction it, it's definitely one of my favorites for sure yeah like dystopian fiction is is one of my favorite genres to read um i do get tired though of it being like zombie apocalypse there has to be kind of a new twist on it for it to work for me um but anything where people are kind of living in this newly made world because of something horrible that's happened is I think really interesting. It's a great way to explore characters and their motivations because being in an apocalypse really tests people and you can see someone's true character and how they behave toward others and how they behave toward themselves in a high pressure situation like that. So I think that dystopian fiction is a great vehicle for 
examining your characters and examining the human condition. And that's what I enjoy most about it. Yes, dystopia is really great because it lets you, um, it's all about survival, right? It's all about mm -hmm. that will to live. And that's what I love about dystopian fictions because yes. you always have, you know, the will to survive. The ones that don't mm -hmm. usually get pushed by the wayside. I've written a couple of dystopian books, but, and each one has a female protagonist that is like got the drive and the will to win. I think that's what it, it's like overcoming the odds, you know? Yeah. Which is what yeah. I am all about in my writing. I love to have someone have something pushed down on them and then they overcome it because that's just, it's almost just reflection of life, really, if you really think about right, it. Right. Yeah. Get knocked down, get back up, brush off, and keep your head down and keep moving forward. So I'm really curious to hear you say that because the ending of this story isn't necessarily our main character, um, Electra, overcoming the odds <laughs> in in a way that we might traditionally say one has overcome the odds. Yeah, that's what makes it horror. <laughs> <laughs> so when you write horror, you don't necessarily write endings where the characters overcome the odds. When I write horror, I like to try and, um, let me see. Okay, so as a black woman, when I write horror, I have like a whole different set of things that I want to focus on as opposed to like, you know, Stephen King or someone like that. My goal is to have characters of color that are lifted, you know, or just in stronger positions of power. Um, so Electra, she was, <clears throat> she, I loved Electra as a character because even there was a scene where she was in a hospital where she was talking to him and my, my one friend read the story and she said, I could see her clapping her hands when she was trying to emphasize something to the guy. But yeah. in the end, I think Electra just was, uh, she just kind of let it overtake her and enjoyed it, which yeah. you're going to be bad be bad like be bad. embrace it embrace it love <laughs> yeah. it you know like don't yeah. like oh no I want, I want no that's why i like that one a lot because she did embrace it she enjoyed it you know she did just like moving on yeah so it's not our traditional she overcame the odds because traditionally we would think if she overcame the odds then she would conquer this illness and you know that would be the end but um like you said it it, it definitely feels like she made peace with it she was like this is my lot in life and i'm going to embrace it and that's that so you know in, in many ways she does overcome the odds just not necessarily in the traditional sense that we might expect which is good because you don't yeah. you don't want to ex you don't want to read a book and go this is what i expected to happen and then you right. like <laughs> so it's like um i was talking to a friend and he we were reading a story together we were doing a critique and the one guy says, so I think this was a dream sequence. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, don't say that. You know, and then the other guy was like, no, dream sequences, no. And he's like, why are you guys getting so upset? And I said, because you've invested so much time into this story. And then it's like a dream sequence, which is nothing, you know, right. <laughs> no fulfillment from it or anything. So, yeah, you know, I feel like it. if I'm going to give you something, I'm going to give you my all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I really enjoy the ending to this story. You know, again, you know, I think it's a twist on what we would expect. It reminds me a lot of Twilight Zone and longtime listeners know that Twilight Zone is my favorite 
show of all time. And that's like the one thing that I strive to do with this show is publish stories that could be seen as like a Twilight episode. And um, I think you definitely nailed it yeah. with the ending on this one. You know, I can definitely actually I think it would fit better as a Black Mirror episode but it, it's such a great story and you know the ending is really what sold it for me i mean everything else up until that was great but i was like i gotta see where this is going <laughs> you know and um and you did an excellent job so congratulations I leaned on the teeth of twilight zone so yeah like a whole genre of horror that these kids of today <laughs> won't really learn like Right. right, which is sad because it's on Netflix. If you've got Netflix, it's free to watch. And like, I think there's three or four, maybe five seasons. Well, it's uh, The thing is, is that the horror that I like is not bloody horror. Like, I can yeah. make a bloody horror story. I can write a bloody horror story. Anybody can get a camera and stab you 8,000 times and be like, oh, this is scary. But, you know, it's it's the psychological process behind it that makes you be able to put yourself into that character's shoes. And you're just like, like, I want to write it so that you can sit and go, well, what would I do if I was Electra? You know? Right. And, but I want to stay true to that whole, the Twilight Zone writing has a specific type of format. Um, there's specifically Charles Beaumont and Richard Matheson and Roger. Yes. Oh yeah, they're my favorites yeah, as well. Those are my favorite guys. I love Matheson. And um, oh yeah, for sure. I just they're like, who's your writer you like to imitate? And I'm like, oh my God, Matheson, Matheson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I can imitate Richard Matheson, then I I will consider myself a success. You know, if someone tells me I could see that being something Matheson would write, oh. like I think I would like die yeah. <laughs> at that moment and be like, I have ascended. I have nothing left to accomplish on this earth. <laughs> you know. Life is over. Thank you. Right. <laughs> this is this is my peak right here. It's all downhill from here. So I'm curious, what is your favorite episode of the Twilight Zone? Um, so they're the ones uh, it's so hard because there's the, the episodes with the trilogy with just Matheson or Charles Beaumont wrote it and mm -hmm. William Shatner starred in it. Yeah. And then, you know, Rod Sterling brings it in. And I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but I do like the 20,000 feet one because, yeah. or there was one with the, with the puppet, the ventriloquist puppet that was just sitting down and it was like Charlie, I think his name was, and his head would move. Yeah. And I remember yeah. I was like a teenager, I was like 13 and I was watching that and I got so scared. <laughs> I ran from downstairs in the living room watching it by myself upstairs into my parents' bed. I was like, y'all gotta move over. Like, You're like, nope, I'm noping out of this situation. Crazy. Like, you watch Charlie's and all the time. I'm like, I don't know, but this mannequin is scary. <laughs> different not. dolls are scary. And I think I sat up until like sunlight because I was just so like that. It's just even when I'm talking about it now, it's almost like paralyzing. You're just like, oh, anything with like an inanimate object. But Shatner, he has that face where when he sees something, you're like, oh no, this is not going to be good. Like the thousand right. feet. He, you know, you're just like, this man really believes that he this is really happening. And I think that's what makes it work even right. more. Yeah. Yeah, I wish they had done a better job with the monster design on that episode, though. Like, I feel like that took a lot away from it. Like, it could have been 
really scary if the monster had been a little more convincing or if they just showed like a silhouette yeah of the monster yes you know and let let your imagination fill in the blanks i think that that episode i mean obviously it's a very successful episode to begin with and you know who am i to be interjecting my opinion into this but i think it could have been more successful with better monster design or using a silhouette yeah or i mean you have to think back to they were doing what they thought was the best at that time yeah yeah technology was definitely much more limited <laughs> than it is now and you know like on one hand it's like oh i want somebody to remake that episode like today you know not you know back in the 80s when they did um, a bunch of remakes but you know with the technology that we have today it'd be really great for someone to remake it but at the same time it's kind of like i don't know if i want somebody messing with that like they might try to do too much because <laughs> you know? people are always it's doing too much we made it for twilight zone show on cbs yeah yeah um you know that and that got canceled i think after i think it was three seasons two seasons it got canceled two seasons yeah i think he didn't want to do any more and cbs was like yes we want more but i will have to say that jordan peele's version it made it more of the now and it was like more uh almost i want to say gimmicky because the plane crashes and everybody lands on this island and then it's like you yeah. see like oh this is richard matheson's name mentioned here oh this is the doll yeah. from the twilight zone movie and i'm like are you going for kitsch or are you going for horror right you know I, yeah I, yeah i mean he does a good job of symbolism i mean just you know look at get out like there's so much symbolism there and you know i'm sure that that's what he was going for but i don't know for me it just feels like like that's great but when you're remaking an episode that's already out there, especially for something as iconic as a Twilight Zone. Like you don't want to stray too far from what it was because, you know, people kind of expect this feeling of nostalgia. And, you know, when you start trying to do all this extra stuff, it might be great, but that's not what they're expecting to see. And so then they're just going to be let down. It's like a stripped down. I mean, I think it would work if you stayed within the parameters of it. And like you said earlier, you show the shadow of the creature, maybe you show the claws raking across the mm -hmm. the, the plane, you know, when he lands yeah. and loses his mind, as opposed to giving us the full scare. Cause it's scarier when you have the idea of what it is yes. in your head, as opposed to someone saying, this is all what it is. Like you put it all up front and yeah. I never, put it all up front I like to leave it so that the reader can go well this is how I picture it because you got to leave yeah. that space breathing room and then they can scare themselves and you could just take that credit for it. right <laughs> exactly you really scared me yeah I know thanks <laughs> right <laughs> well I mean that's the thing is our imaginations are super powerful and we know what scares us most and so you know when we're watching or reading horror and our minds are filling in the blanks, we're filling, filling in the blanks with the things we find more horrifying. So like what I fill in the blanks with and what you fill in the blanks with are gonna be two completely different things because we have different fears. And so when you don't put it out there, the horror, the monster, whatever it is that you know is the object of um, the protagonist's terror, when you hand it out on a silver platter with all of the details, you kind of rob the reader, watcher, listener, of that experience of filling in the blanks and making it more horrifying for themselves you're you're trying to guess what scares them versus letting them scare 
themselves with whatever it is that frightens them the most. It's almost like a shared experience because um, yeah, if if I don't give you all the details, like I had written another short story called Tika Zika, which was published on Midnight and Indigo. And it was about mm -hmm. a girl babysitting this little girl and there's a monster in the house, that's it. So I didn't say, this is what the monster looked like. I didn't give you anything about the monster. I just was kind of like, um, no, I'm sorry. The story was called Don't Go There. I'm sorry. So I didn't give you any details about the monster, except, you know, you knew something was in the house. And when I shared it with people, they were like, yo, like, this is how I pictured the monster looking at the end. And this is how I pictured it. And I was so happy because I'm just like, we all got scared at the same parts, but mm -hmm. we all had a different version of the monster that scared us, but we were equally scared. Right. Right. You know, which just it was just like, oh, cool. You got, you know, and I don't know. <laughs> People are like, well, Tracy, that's kind of mental. But I'm like, cool. You got scared at the end. That was so awesome. What did your monster look like? You know, and I imagine him looking like this, you know, dragging a girl down the stairs with the slime and everything. It was just you have to give just enough detail so that they can just work with that. I think that's the key to any really good psychological horror story. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. So tell us a little bit about where you are in your career as a writer right now and where you want to be. Right now, where I am is I am writing several stories for several anthologies. Um, and I just finished writing a book on hoodoo superstitions and my family because oh. I realized that A, not everyone has, you know, like if I'm walking down the street with somebody and we split a pole and I'm like, yo, hold up, bread and butter. You know, I'll go back around the pole and say bread and butter. And they're like, why did you do that? And I'm, as I do these things, as I got older, I realized not everybody's family does this. You know? Yeah, I had the like, same experience. It's just like, you know, don't drink that water that you left out overnight. Why? Well, because the spirits drink from it. What? Right. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, so I'm like, all right, I'm, what I'm going to do is put this in the story and I'm going to incorporate my family's lives into it. So I have done extensive amounts of research. And the sad thing is that my grandmother passed a couple of years ago, who was one of the people that I spoke to, and my great aunt just passed last November, and she was a really good source. Um, so that's what I'm working on now to get it out. I don't know how I want to do it. Like, I want everyone to see it because I know it's a good story. It's a very good yeah. novel, and it has elements. And like a friend of mine said, you know, when I read it, some of these movies or things they they tell you like well it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that but you're telling me that a black cat bone is used for this or this yeah. is used explicitly for that you know and i'm like well yeah man because you got to research it you know you just can't right, right. more <laughs> random crap out there but yeah i'm still working on like where to go with that book if i want to try and just self-promote and publish it on my own or try and go through like um like a candisha press or a very small press company yeah i'm very open ideas but right now i have um another 80 story coming out in another anthology uh <laughs> which is funny because 
it takes place in the 80s in Cleveland. And I wrote it, that story, because I said, you know, there are no characters in any of these works that I've read that I can relate to. And people mm-hmm. were like, well, I don't understand. And I said, well, when I grew up, I had friends named like Scooby, you know, Bump, you know, Dodo. Yeah. And none of this is working for me, <laughs> you know, like none of this works. And I, well, what would you do? You know? And I said, well, what would I do? Well, I'm writing scares. I'll show you what I do. You know? And then I wrote it and everybody's, Oh, it was, Oh my God. That was, you know, and it's just like, so this is how it is. It's the dialogue is witty. So I try to write things that are for like, not to say us, but I try to write things that capture my past so that when mm-hmm. I'm gone, I have a legacy of some sorts that people, yes. okay, so this is how she lived. This is how she played. You know, this is how she did her things. So there's um that story coming out. I have a, uh, I don't know what it's called, a micro, it's a thousand words or less story coming out called Glitches mm-hmm. in 99 Tiny Terrors soon. And oh. yeah, I've just got a lot of little things all over the place. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's I love when I see writers become more prolific and you start finding their work in all kinds of different venues. So I'm really happy for you that you've got a lot of stuff that you're working on and a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out in the world. Yes. It's like you're giving birth and the baby is walking away from you as an adult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing that's exactly. That's for you. I love you so much. <laughs> That is such an apt description, you know. Okay, so I wrote um, a novella and it's it's about hoodoo because I grew up with it too. And I thought it was just, you know, like superstitious stuff. And, you know, everybody did it. And as I got older, I was like, oh, this is like a specific thing. And, you know, not everyone that's black from the South um, does this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, for me, like it it was very much the same thing. Like I, I wrote it and when I started writing it, I didn't realize I was writing about my dad's death. Um, he had a car accident and he got a brain bleed and had brain surgery and then he had seizures and it kind of just like turned his brain to mush basically. And so he was awake, but not really conscious of what was happening around him. And it reminded me a lot about the stories he told me as a kid about zombies, but like the zombies from Haitian folklore, not the, you know, Romero zombies that eat brains. And, um, about halfway through, I realized that I was writing this zombie story (laughs) and that I was writing it because of, you know, his death and what I went through watching him die. And, you know, my fear that he was locked in there and aware of what was going on. Um, You know, because that was the most terrifying thing for me was wondering if he knew what was going on and if he wanted to communicate and couldn't. And, you know, all of that was just really terrifying for me. And so I put it down for seven or eight years and then you know finally picked it back up and I was like I'm gonna finish this because it needs to be finished you know both for like my own mental health but I also want it out there because I want this culture that I grew up in to be out there and there's just not a lot of hoodoo based stories out there and I think that's super sad um so I'm really excited to hear um that you're working on something that encompasses your family's background well as well i think we need a lot more of that that are good at research there's a difference because you can have like um anybody can write a like oh i I watched serpent in the rainbow you know no i know yeah you know you know and you're just like no i think it feels (laughs) different and more authentic coming from you and i as 
Black women and our experiences with it give it more authenticism because this was a thing, and I mean, let's just be truthful. It's a lot of, I came from a matriarchy, like all the women on my mother's sides were very strong women and they all did this. They all did it all. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I remember my mom was talking to someone and I was kind of listening and she said, um, you know why Tracy's skin is so clear? Because I would take that first diaper that she would pee in in the morning and wipe her face with it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, hold up. Like, hold up. <laughs> and she's like, well, no, you're going to have to thank me for that. And I'm like, well, mom, I mean, no, you know, but <laughs> you put pee all over my face. I'm like, it's that. that first catch of pee. It's not that that midday is that first catch. And she was like, because she said, like, her grandmother would make her pee in a bowl. And I'm just like, no one does this. <laughs> no right. One does this. And but at the same time, I'm like, no one's going to remember this. So we have got to yeah. share it because no yeah. one's going to, these kids today, I was discussing with someone, don't understand the concept of when the sun comes up, you leave the house in the summertime and you don't come back home until the sun comes down. Yeah. Three lights come on. But that's right. how we lived. And yeah. that is the thing that I am most afraid of everyone forgetting because it's just like, you know, we played games like, um, or you, everybody put your foot in and I was doing it with my niece and nephew. And I was just like, okay, bubble gum, bubble gum in a dish. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm trying to tell y'all who's it. And they were like, well, we understand right. the concept of this, you know? And I'm just like, well, that's just it. Let's, let's finish it up. You know, they were like, I don't even, you know, it's like, all not ready, shout Billy Goat. And they're like, what? Aren't you <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, like, I'm trying to bring you into my childhood, you know, but right it's, it's like we're trying to keep it alive yeah, like, come on, <laughs> but you know it, it didn't happen they're yeah. like all about minecraft and no right you know <laughs> you're not nearly cool enough for them to you know be like oh yeah we're gonna do that because yeah like my son does the same thing he looks at me like you know because he's at the age now where he knows what's cool yeah. and i ain't it <laughs> you know sometimes i am sometimes i am especially like when i'm playing video games with him he thinks i'm the coolest small doses but... it's like my mom writes horror stories oh that's cool where's your mom at uh, she's not here <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like i don't know what she's doing she's probably busy she's probably working but she writes horror stories and she's good but just don't talk to her <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> that's pretty much where i am with my youngest daughter right now like i love you mom but i don't like you a whole lot right it's like i don't really want you around all the time you know which like is a blessing and a curse in a way you know it's it's bittersweet because it's like you're used to having them around and you know it's great having them around but then it's also great to have that space and that freedom that you can't enjoy when they're little because you know you can't even go to the bathroom without them like sticking their hands under the door yes. <laughs> you know yes. like little fingers that my son yeah. rammed the door with his head really yeah and i would just i'm like I can't even pee in yeah, I'm just sitting there like, like I'm not even going to the bathroom I'm just sitting on the toilet right trying to get away for a second like I need mom, a mom something I'm like what do you guys want I'm just sitting here <laughs> right like, oh, there's no place sacred for a small child <laughs> or the classic mom's taking a bath we can all get in the tub I'm like whoa whoa <laughs> sanctity. now it's like no never mind right aren't we having fun mom no we aren't <laughs> <laughs> we are not we are not having fun like 
<laughs> you look like you're crying. Oh, those are just bubbles. It's okay. Mommy's <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Speaking of the horrors of having children, what is your favorite work of black horror out in the world right now? You know, I'm going to, the honest to God's truth is when I was young, there was not a lot of black horror. Mm -hmm. And that is telling you like all about my age right now, but there was not a lot. So we had like Stephen King, who I refuse mm -hmm. to stand. I do not like Stephen King at all because of his whole magical Negroness that happens. So it mm -hmm. wasn't until I got older, then they started re releasing movies like Candyman and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I would have to say, because I always have been afraid to be that pariah, the, the one person is just like, well, you know, what favorite black, like, I like all stuff. Um, but my one favorite horror work is actually not a black piece of work because I haven't really been super exposed to really great stuff. Like I've been exposed to good stuff, but it's a movie mm -hmm. from the late 1950s, early 1960s called Mr. Sardonicus. Oh, I have not heard of this. And I watched that movie with my mom and dad and my little sister. And even today, my little sister's just like, oh dear God, don't talk about that movie. I mean, <laughs> you know, we are like over 40 and we're still freaking out about it. And this was a movie from the 50s that scared us this bad and it was so oh, wow. good it was about a man who played the lottery and he won a lottery and they his dad died and so they buried the dad with a ticket in his pocket and the wife was like you gotta go dig up that body and get the ticket out the pocket right <laughs> I was just like no no you know just like don't go in there this is bad and he does it and everything that happens after that is just golden. Cause he just like, he comes home and he's just like, like he's not talking. He's not saying, mm -hmm. I don't want to give away the, what happens, but. Yeah, don't. Cause I'm watching this. Like, I'm so ready. He's just like, you know, she's like, hey, did you get the ticket? You know, and he's like, well, yeah. Did you this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like he, he but he doesn't say anything. He's just kind of like, mm, mm. And she yeah. turns on the light and you're sitting there and you're like, turn on the light so I can see it you know and <laughs> then it happens you're like oh my god <laughs> i was there was no pause oh, back then weird. so it was just like we just got up and ran out of the room like i don't know what to do <laughs> you need to do like a movie and book review channel because i would totally watch you talk about <laughs> i would love to i could i am sold on this movie right now like you, you have no idea i love movies but i will say I have read Zora Neale Hurston's Every Tongue Got to Confess, which not a mm -hmm. lot of people are familiar with. Um, but it's so good. It's really good. And Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, which my brother-in-law would be like, oh, yeah, because he's an English teacher. He teaches that. I think those work for me as Black works of art. And they also work on a horror level, too, because mm -hmm. um, Invisible Man was, you know, this guy really thought that like, even though it's a story about race and society, but you could look at that and like, he's like, you know, I'm really just not here. I don't exist to these people. That's in a horror movie in and of itself. It's almost like yeah. when your dad was dying and you didn't mm -hmm. know if he was in his body and not able to talk mm -hmm. or not, 
and you just are like, how would I ever know? How, you know, and yeah. this guy's like walking around and he's like, they don't see me. You know, I know that they don't see me. I live under the railroad tracks, you know, in the subway system. But I think that like reality is the best horror and the best writer. Yeah. Horror. I mean, every tongue that got to confess, it's a hard read, but it's what I needed to read to write my, um, my um, book. It's called Root mm-hmm. Work. That's the name of my book, Root Work. And it's a hard read because they're speaking in like a different dialect. Like you ain't going to get none of this young sugar. Right. And, and it's, and I imitated that, but um, it's a good read because it has stories in it that like mm-hmm. about the devil and about this and about that. And you're just like, oh, these are such great stories. And again, those people have told their stories and died, but you're their stories stay as a legacy. So until right. someone stops talking about you, you're a legacy. When they stop talking, yeah. it's over. You like you don't exist anymore. But yeah, I have to right. say those are my two favorites so far. Oh, awesome. So tell us what we can do to support you. <laughs> Does anybody know an agent <laughs> that is <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> um well you can look at my stuff on my website. Uh, there's not really much because, and I hate to get into this and sound like this kind of a person, but I'm a Pisces. So I'm a giving person. I I, mm-hmm. I feel like, like I'm here to help others. So it's like, if you need help, reach out, you know, mm-hmm. which is because I learned after like 35 years that it's okay to say, I can't do this, I need help because people like right. to help. So you can just reach out, read my website, some stuff on my website, which is kind of funny. You get to see what makes Tracy tick. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you really would want to follow me on Twitter because then you'd really know what makes Tracy tick. <laughs> like, oh. We absolutely do. So tell us what your website address is. My website is Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, cross C-R-O-S-S online. Just type it in and it'll, it should be right there. Tracy Cross Online, it'll be my picture and everything. And um, I just redid the website. I'm revamping it now because I took a class about, you know, promotions <laughs> and the professors. Yeah. 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 Website was nice, but like not great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? You're right. So I have to go in and streamline everything. So it's, it's, I'm working on it. I'm just one mommy. As I say to my kids, I'm just one mommy trying to get it done. Yep. And what's your Twitter? Um, Tracy C writes. So again, T-R-A-C-Y C writes W-R-I-T-E-S. All right. I will make sure that there are links to both of those in the show notes. And because you're a Pisces, I know that either your birthday has just passed yeah. or it's coming up. So I'm going to say happy birthday. Thank you. When, when was your birthday? March the 6th. Oh yeah, really? Mine's March 4th. <gasps> Shush. My daughter's is March the 5th. And my really? son's <laughs> birthday is today. <laughs> Look at that. All these Pisces all together. I know. Pisces power. There's more. We're, we are good people, Pisces. We are. We are pretty amazing people, for sure. And we're humble. For sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so humble. 
we are so awesomely humble. It is like, yeah, but you're right. We're very helpful. You know, like it's hard for me to promote myself a lot of times because I'm like, well, you know, I should be talking about other people's stuff. And, you know, it's, it's taken a lot of work for me to get out of that frame of mind that, you know, if I want to help other people, I also have to help myself. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's, it's finding a balance. And, you know, I feel like that's something I'm always going to be working toward is finding a balance of helping myself and helping other people and, you know, trying to be in a, trying to be a good citizen in this world. I didn't learn about self-care days until I moved down to the South, to DC. And I'm like, what is a self-care day? And my therapist was like, oh, you don't know. <laughs> Sorry, no, I've been raising my children, trying to live. Right. Self-care, <laughs> self what's that? I don't have time for that. Here, it, it, this did not exist when I was growing up in like the 70s. Oh no. This is yeah, no. things. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You what? I get a day off to do what I want. <laughs> right. <laughs> in this world. And there are self-care places I can go to to get catered to. Oh child. Right. It's so weird. It's like it's so weird. Kept that under your hat. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's over for y'all. <laughs> like now we have self-care week <laughs> and then self-care month. Yes. Like, I'm aware. Self-care. Yeah. Everybody, let's go. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you. I hope you don't have allergies because this is not the season for it. But oh, sadly, I do. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> My head is like super clogged right now because it is weather jump. So just stay safe. You know what? That's that's how listeners can help us. They can find a way to cure allergies for good so we don't have to deal with this. Yes, without medication that makes you sleepy. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Listeners, can you get on that for us? Pretty please. Thank you. I'll put you in a story and I won't kill you. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll make sure that you're the one that lives. You're the final girl, final boy, whatever. Yeah. Thank you again so much for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new story. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.